2: And fish can coexist peacefully.
0: Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
1: I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people.
2: Guys, Donald Trump's going to get a Nobel Prize. It's it's (laughs) going to be awesome. Totally deserves it. (laughs) I I feel like they're just handing him out, like, candy at this point. They're just going to give one to every president for doing something. (laughs) Tying shoelaces, helping an old woman across the street. Yeah. Or, you know, finishing the Korean War. Either way. You. I can still hear the theme music. Is yeah, it still it's going? still going. I thought for sure I was having technical difficulties. I was leaving it for dramatic <laughs> effect. I'm very sorry about that, Phil. I oh, won't ever no, do no, no, that no. again. I'm sorry for doubting you. Nick. <laughs> well, welcome back, guys. It's Barstool Politics. I'm your host, Nick McGuire, joined as always by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, boys. Hey, Nick. Hey. Hi, Hi Phil. <laughs> hey, Bill. It's, uh, it's, it's another fun week, but before we get into uh, all of the um, North Korea shenanigans and late breaking news about uh, Ty Cobb and all the other fun things that went on this past week. He's back playing baseball, apparently. He is back playing baseball. He's an old guy. He should really be proud of himself. Um, before that, uh, podcast, Shameless Plugs. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, Uh, You can find the beers that we try on the Untapped app, uh, on iOS and Android. Uh, The podcast you can find on SoundCloud and Stitcher and Spreaker and Google Play Music and every other major podcasting platform. Uh, Share us and like us on iTunes. That helps us grow the most. Um, Seems like most of you are listening there anyways. So do all those things that I just told you, all of them in succession. Is Spreaker real, or is that just a word you made up? No, it's a real thing. I had to no. really friggin' try to get us on that thing. I had to email the guy and glad Mr. hand him Spreaker. and kiss his ass. Yeah, Mr. Todd Spreaker person. <laughs> um, yeah, could you put us on there? And he was nice enough to do it, because uh, you hey. normally have to be part of their network. So, uh-huh. yeah, you're welcome. Sweet. Thanks, yeah, Phil. Thanks, Nick. For Dick. breaking down that fourth wall. Um... Good yeah. plugs, good plugs. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah good so job. good. It's, I feel good <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy foreign policy thing, which is nice. And Trump may get a Nobel Prize for it. Um, the maybe the, the
1: president of South Korea suggested this. Yeah, this isn't just me- so. Today, members of Congress, eighteen members of the House, uh, wrote a letter to the Nobel Committee suggesting this, but there's a buzz, Nick. It's it's happening. There is a buzz. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. I completely
2: (laughs) agree with it and totally support that decision.
1: All right. So let's break down (laughs) what's going on. Iran and North Korea assumed center stage this last week as President Trump appears to be on the cusp of dismantling one international agreement while simultaneously attempting to forge another buoyed by chants of no bell no bell no bell at his saturday evening rally they really
0: chanted that they were missing there was a I, bell that got stolen there are a few,
2: there there no are few
0: things few things i can think of that a trump oh, don't crowd don't is less likely to chant than no bell. i know <laughs> it was happen. Really, <laughs> <laughs> oh so trump spoke optimistically of the
1: prospect of peace between north and south korea and the denuclearization of the korean peninsula there's no doubt that Friday's summit between the North, North and South Korea was truly historic. It was the first time that any leader from North Korea stepped foot in the South. Kim Jong-un even promised to not wake up Mr. Moon with any more early morning missile tests. That was, that was nice. Aww. Yeah, and all seemed right in the world. <laughs> Yet at the same time, the Trump administration was signaling that's leaning towards ending the Iran nuclear accord. Trump must decide by May 12th whether he will continue to waive sanctions on Iran, as is required by the deal. Trump was aided in his efforts by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who gave what I would say is a odd and awkward speech where he uncovered shelves full of books and CDs, which Israel apparently in January had captured from Iran and apparently proved that Iran had previously lied about its uh, pursuing a nuclear weapons program. Iran, would they wouldn't lie.
2: No, man. No, No, pretty trustworthy
1: guys. So my favorite part about the presentation was BB slide that filled up the entire big screen with the words Iran lied in this dark black font in a white background. (laughs) Trump humbly responded to this information by stating, quote, what we've learned has really shown that I've been 100 percent right. (laughs) So, Phil, what was your reaction as you watched Trump try to close one deal
0: and undermine another? Uh... (laughs) I you know I I don't I, they're really interesting contrasts because yeah. they he is going in some ways in different directions on each of them he's trying to get a deal with North Korea he's trying to undermine the deal <laughs> with Iran but I at the same time it feels like there's some real similarities because I don't feel like what he's after in North Korea is really a deal what he's after in North Korea is North Korea not having nuclear weapons and will kick your ass if we have to which is essentially the same thing he's after in iran right they're they're both sort of lacking in nuance do this or else um the extent we've talked about on here before the extent to which one undermines the other that his ability to negotiate with north korea if he backs out of this iran deal is um you know i i don't i don't I've sort of, I don't think that that really matters. I mean, I think it matters, but that's, you know, the idea that logical consistency matters with this administration is sort of, I've given up on that. The irony of it, if he got the Iran nuclear
1: deal with North Korea... He would, he would win the Nobel Prize. I mean, we're spending too much time talking about Nobel Peace Prizes. but No, I want to talk about it more in a minute. <laughs> so, but if he, if he managed to do that, if he were to somehow get South Korea and North Korea, if he got North Korea to denuclearize and they agreed to the same framework of the Iran nuclear accord, we would all be cheering this major, major success, which I think speaks to the idea of undermining the Iran nuclear accord. But it is, it's, there's, you're right. The contrast and the similarities are striking.
0: I, th- I think a lot I mean in, in other you've seen this in other realms I, I think that the Iran deal is tainted with the stink of Obama right and, and so I think <laughs> oh, that for, for that that was that was really that good was Phil. Really I liked it mm. <laughs> but I think for low. Trump right that is uh, a lot of his sort of reaction is opposition to Obama and I and I think that's uh, you know I think that's part of that's how he came to the iran deal was this is an obama policy before he was president right he was critical of it um and i think he's sort of continuing with it same reason he was critical of uh the obama policy on north korea and so i think to some extent his policy with north korea has just been i'm going to do what the obama different than the obama administration mm-hmm. right so.
2: yes he's the george costanza of presidents <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i i I hear what you're saying about the possibility of having a an Iran nuclear deal like um proxy in North Korea. I I don't think that would work for him. I, I don't even think it crosses his mind. And realistically, this development has very little to do with his diplomatic flair. It has everything to do with the fact that he's acted batshit crazy over the past year, more than anything, I think. Uh, on top of the fact that there's pretty good evidence that the North Koreans have uh, severely poisoned their own uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> land with their nuclear, nuclear testing, nuclear. yes. So I, 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 while I, I think that the outcome has at least on the surface been extremely positive, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, again the the diplomatic efforts of the Trump administration whatsoever. And if you're talking about Iran, I I, I don't know I, if this if the North Korea thing works, I think it's the likelihood of scrapping the Iran deal increases dramatically. And I think that's the time when a deal like that absolutely does not need to be taken away because there is some sort of structure there now that um, allows for uh, um, what's the word? um inspections uh at least the the appearance of uh legitimate ex- uh, inspections and kind of keeps them in their own um in their own area and away from something that we need to deal with in in um in the immediate future um i i don't know i still think he's going to scrap the iran deal i i think so too i hmm. think the, the sure. north korea thing is I, I don't know. I'm pretty mildly optimistic. And I, I think it. we we should be happy. And he with- definitely deserves a Nobel Prize. <laughs>
1: We we should be happy with developments in North Korea and still be skeptical about the long-term prospects of a denuclearization. Phil, you were going to say something. Yeah. It's
0: not going to – so I we, I, well, I would like to break them apart and talk about yeah. each of these issues separately because they're, they're different issues. So we can't <laughs> um, jump back and forth? <laughs> well, I mean we can, but I, I want to talk more in depth about yeah. both of them. Okay. So the North Korea deal, I mean there, there's a lot to be said here. I mean there was – there were lots of important milestones. The the meeting of the two leaders that it wasn't just that the North Korean leader went to South Korea. It's the South Korean leader stepped across the line in North Korea yes.
2: as well. Only for a second. Um, Cause it's icky. I,
0: I am. Um, I'm reluctant to give Trump a whole lot of credit here. Uh, I, so I, that's been the tendency. So Trump has used all this inflammatory rhetoric and now North Korea is saying, Hey, we'll come to deals. But The more likely causal factor here in my mind is that North Korea has nuclear weapons. They have achieved the the status they want so they can negotiate with North Korea, with South Korea and America and Japan on different terms than they could before. So I and and as you alluded to this, Nick, there is some evidence or some people who have argued that through their nuclear tests, they basically blew up the mountain that they were testing (laughs) nuclear weapons. in. so they can't there's a there's a distinct possibility that they can't test anymore. So that could be part of it as well. But I don't think that Trump actually has had that much to do with this. I think this is they have achieved their nuclear goals. They are now they have a different set of cards that they're coming to the, the, the game with. Right. And so they, they have their their ability to negotiate and to bargain and to talk with other countries on a more even you know level playing field. I think explains this more than anything else. And the, the negotiations that have been going on have been South Korea and North Korea. The U S hasn't been involved in this at all. Right. And so, um, Anyway, go ahead.
1: Well, there's a, it's a really interesting parallel because, you know, I teach an American foreign policy course, and much of the Cold War, we talk about the United States assumes it controls everything, both good and bad. So if something good happens in the world, it's, you know, we give credit for it. If something bad happens, it's, it's our fault. But the reality is events happen around the world, sometimes outside of our control or influence. Now, I do think the instability created by Trump may have created a bit more incentive, for South Korea to reach out, and maybe even for North Korea, but I think you're right, Phil, that that a lot of this is, Trump is it deserves maybe some credit, but I don't know if it's good credit for creating instability right. and fear, but then other actors step into that space. I,
2: I um, Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think the foreign policy, the general foreign policy when dealing with a, a force in a country like North Korea uh, from the perspective of the United States, has been containment. Mm-hmm. Even after the Cold War was done. That's just the standing rule. I I think we got to a point, and most of the North Korean nuclear capabilities were developed under the Obama administration. So they had the capabilities. Mm-hmm. They could have gotten to this point earlier if they wanted to. So there had to have been some sort of catalyst that pushed them to do this. I really think that the that change in rhetoric and the concept of real instability uh, where Prior to that, there was no chance of anything, any sort of retaliatory strike by the United States happening against the North ever. It wasn't even conceived of, especially under the Obama administration. I think that put a little bit of the fear i God in them. Sure. I, 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 I honestly believe that on top of the fact that, yeah, we can talk about what they did to themselves and they blew up a mountain and they're closing their nuclear site in less than a month. Uh, I... I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like this is all happening so quickly uh, at a time when, uh, again, they could have started these negotiations years ago at this point, and I don't see a good reason why they wouldn't have done that if that was the case. The 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 different. I mean, the so they did have nuclear weapons
0: before, but they didn't have very useful or successful nuclear weapons until mm-hmm. recently. I mean, we've talked a lot about this year, their their development of IC, not IC, I guess ICBM, but not long range yeah. missiles, so yeah. not ICBMs, yeah. um, and larger nuclear weapons. And we've talked about a little bit about the possibility that Ukraine was involved in the missile technology and whatnot. But so they had the technology, but it was really shitty technology until recently. And so I I, I think, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is the sort of thing where it's hard to pick it apart, I, here's the other part that I think we're we're I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to go anywhere, right? <laughs> Shh, so sh- the stop the, it, sh- sh-
2: no, <laughs> the,
0: <laughs> the agreement about that 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 was signed, the 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 discussion about nuclear weapons that North Korea and South Korea, I mean, they, it was a the the idea of ending the war included phrases about nuclear weapons. Those phrases were incredibly vague. They said they mentioned denuclearization. The Kim regime has talked about denuclearization before, Mm -hmm. but they always talk about it in the context of global denuclearization, which Mm -hmm. is that if everyone else gets rid of our nuclear weapons, we will as well. So I see a situation in which North Korea is able to say, like they've always said, we're willing to give up our nukes Um, and the U.S., And the Trump administration is taking that to mean immediately. Yes. And Mm -hmm. they don't mean it immediately. This is going to unravel in not very long. Right. And And so I I, I totally agree. And there's really two issues that you're negotiating here. One is the
1: peace talks. mm -hmm. So bringing about the end of the Korean War and the other is the denuclearization Mm -hmm. issue. And in these preliminary conversations, peace talks are moving more quickly than conversations about denuclearization. So if I'm North Korea, this is fantastic. I slow play the the talk about nuclear weapons. I get a final agreement to end the Korean War. This is what they ultimately want. And then you keep talking about denuclearization. You say, "Well, oh, well, you know, the United States, everybody, let's have a broader conversation." The longer North Korea continues to talk about that, this is great for them. They get more international attention. Kim Jong Un, who I will say, He's a bad guy, Nick, but he has smiled. He's come across much more. He's much more personality in these meetings. So suddenly he becomes, uh, you know, a, a bigger global figure. A lot of this can work out for North Korea, work out well for North Korea without them ever giving up a single nuclear weapon. I, I,
2: I agree with that. <clears throat> but the only factor that is probably more influential uh, from a, a um, stability standpoint, not a stability, but a, a bargaining standpoint, uh, the nuclear weapons is economic development mm-hmm. if you manage to cement peace between north and south korea formally end the korean war and have uh, economic parity or or at least increase economic trade between the south and other even the united states and other players around you know the asia pacific region That in itself, I think, can help to stabilize the North and bring it more into the international community, more so than denuclearization ever could. Because you're right, they are never, ever going to give up nuclear weapons. It's just not going to happen. But if you have that kind of slow roll and slowly kind of change the culture or able to change the culture, that is way more influential than, again, trying to get them to give up their nuclear weapons. I think you're right. I just
0: don't think that the Trump administration has that long term. I know. No. That's what I'm scared about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> North Korea certainly does. But you're right. Yeah, I don't and think I think, Trump I think South Korea does as yeah. well. But I don't th- I don't think the you know Trump is. Yeah. So so, so do, I but, go ahead. Does that mean that Trump
1: has lost leverage here? Because if, if North Korea is playing one game and they're they're suggesting let's get peace treaty, let's have all this good conversation about, you know, no more war between the Koreans. Uh, and, you know, we'll get to nuclear weapons. That takes away some of Trump's leverage, right?
2: Mm. Or no, do we think?
0: I, I mean, I think... I
2: I think it more plays into his hand than anything. I, I, I mean, if you're coming from Trump's standpoint... That gets a lot of the pressure off the U.S. to deal with these diplomatic efforts in a time where you're trying to be more isolationist. But you, it's
1: hard to come back and argue you've got to give up those nuclear weapons. When Kim Jong-un has signed a peace treaty, looks like yeah. a jovial guy, uh, there's all this integration and they're stepping over borders. Right? I think it remo- it's hard for him to argue rocket man and crazy man and all of this stuff if all of this other good diplomacy is occurring.
0: I I agree. I think that North Korea has played this in some ways better. So, Donald, the Trump administration, by making essentially a black and white ultimatum, give up your nuclear weapons or else fire and fury and all this other stuff, it doesn't leave much wiggle room. Right. Whereas North Korea has used this opportunity to start to cultivate relationships or to improve relationships with, you know, with uh, South Korea, with China, other people around them. And it seems like the the way that they have approached this leaves them far more wiggle room in terms of what they can do. And when you think about negotiating about something, if you don't have you know many options and the other guy has a whole bunch of options, you're in a weak place from a bargaining standpoint. I,
2: I don't. Yeah, yeah. I. I mean, the end game realistically is, regardless of whether or not they deal with us in this particular situation, they're going to deal with us in at some point in the future if you're talking about them stabilizing relations with the south the south blatantly said we still want american troops in south korea if yeah. they're dealing with china more obviously we have huge economic trade with china as well as south korea and everybody else in that region so they're going to have to deal with us in some way shape or form they have no economy they have a non-functional government they have radioactive mountains <laughs> um no. I, it's no, <laughs> no. I, <laughs> no major exports besides cheap labor which they can't even apparently do that anymore it's uh, they're they're going to have to come to the bargaining table eventually i i agree but if they can come to the
0: bargaining table having fostered some goodwill with their neighbors and with south korea they that gives them a better play at that table Agreed. so if you think about it, they have to deal with the us eventually and if before they deal with the us they can you know, make create some level of goodwill, or like you're talking yeah. about, Bill, create this, this sense that they're trying to be a better. It, that all helps their their position.
2: It absolutely yeah. helps their position. But in the end, is South Korea going to want to deal more with the United States, or are they going to want to deal more with North Korea? Yeah. I, I again, they have. When it comes to fostering goodwill and all that stuff, that's great for you know pictures and puppies and kissing babies and all that bullshit. But I, you. You got to you got to play the hand you're dealt like there, North Korea does not have a lot to offer outside of nuclear weapons. But
1: yeah. so even that, I think, is still a win for the United States. And I, I worry whether Trump's rhetoric will complicate that. But if we get North Korea to sign a peace treaty with South Korea and and and, and move in a more positive direction in terms of economic exchanges and political exchanges, all of that, and maybe agree to freeze, nuclear testing, which they probably have to do anyhow because of the mountain issue, uh, and, and, and and missile testing and all of that, that is a win for the United States. It stabilizes mm-hmm. yep. the situation. But Trump's rhetoric might trap them in a way where they feel like they have to go further. I don't think that happens. But I really, I think we you'd have to step back and say that has been a good development for the world and a good development for North, South Korea and the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So we've talked about North Korea for a long time. I okay. feel like we should talk about Iran before okay. we run out of time. But before we do, I yeah. do want to say on the Peace Prize thing, yes. I, I cannot imagine the Nobel Committee giving Donald Trump the Peace Prize. But I even assume assume that he actually is the reason for all of this Assu- and, and good things happen. Let's say the, the Korean War comes to an end and there you know there's like all this. Let's say all of that happens. And Donald Trump is the reason. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this happened because he threatened to nuke them off the yes. face of the earth. Amen. So to give the man a peace prize for that is yes. absurd.
2: Ends justify the
1: means. <laughs> Could you imagine that speech? Because you were so stupid on Twitter, <laughs> threatened to destroy the world.
0: That's that your Swedish accent? Yes. <laughs> yes. You
1: deserve the Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize is a, is a joke anyhow. I mean, Obama shouldn't have gotten it. All of that is silly, but... Um, but the fact that you're right, Phil, that we're talking about Trump as a man
2: of peace who threatens war, um, it's, yeah, it's and messy. So, do as I say, not as I do. Your <laughs> right. parents, you should know this shit. So I, I know that we don't, we, I don't
0: know how much time we have before we need to move on, but we should talk a little bit about Iran. Sure. There are a few things that are, that I want to talk about that are not necessarily about the Iran deal, but is more about Netanyahu and his mm-hmm. approach. Um, and the Trump administration response that, that. That speech, that presentation that Netanyahu gave is so bizarre if you think about the content. He was obviously making that speech for an audience of one. He was making that presentation for Donald Trump. He is lobbying the president of the United States. The fact that he the next day was the next day went on Fox and Friends in the oh, morning did to make this that. argument. Yes, he went on Fox and on Friends. Fox and Friends. Oh, yes, be in the because, morning. yes, because that is the best way to lobby the president. Right. Um, and so uh, it is. Um, it, I mean, that's 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 crazy. That tells you something about the state of our, you know, that that the Israeli, you know, Prime Minister can go on Fox and Friends because he's wanting to lobby the president, because that has a bigger sway than the State Department or intelligence agencies or whatever. Um I, I feel like that should be mentioned. I also think it should be you know, we we brushed over this, but all of the stuff that he presented was well known yes. and was in the past. Yes. Um and, and the Trump administration came out and they even had to change so their response this was is so that, terrible. Yeah, that, that Iran, I forget how it was stated, but they used the present tense. Iran
2: has, has a like secret a, mm-hmm. nuclear. Yeah, they nuclear has
1: weapons. instead of had. Yes. Which they yeah.
2: only changed that in that one particular situation. And then they had like five other statements on websites oh, and various other things that they did not change. Yeah.
0: And they only changed it if they were called out on Right, it, right? right.
1: But, but do you um, think of the effect. I, I don't think that was intentional. I think that's just sloppy. I think the Trump administration is sloppy in a lot of documents. Or do you think it was intentional?
0: I think I I don't know that it was like diabolically intentional, but I think they're trying to they think Iran is bad and they want to put together an argument that Iran is bad. And if you say they have a nuclear weapons program, I think that's I think it's sloppy, not in that it was a typo. It was sloppy in that it was bad intelligence or a bad argument. Um, But they were using this this information to make an argument that Iran currently Is a nuclear, you know, pariah or whatever. But yeah, it's sloppy in that sense. But I I think it was intentional.
1: And if you think of the American public, who doesn't have the time that we do to dive into these interests, and the, you know, the White House is putting out comments saying that they have a nuclear weapons program. I mean, it's easy to see the public saying, "Hey, this deal is terrible," and it works publicly. No, it. uh, Netanyahu. You're absolutely right. Netanyahu gave that speech for Donald Trump, and I think not. Not just to convince him, I think that was part of it, but also to reinforce his argument. You know, Israel understands what's going on in the White House and they're building off of that maybe better than even Macron in France is. like the, the world leaders are adjusting to Trump as president. Yep. And I had I hadn't heard that he went on Fox and Friends. It's it's brilliant, but also yeah. so, <laughs> so deeply troubling.
0: Oh, so do you think uh, so? I, Trump has talked about the Iran deal and he continues to make vague statements. Things like nobody knows what I'm gonna do. That was the oh, statement he made when when Macron was here, <laughs> yes. right? Um, so I, it's going you, away. It I, is I going would assume away. there's part of me that goes back to this verbal tick he has that he he says nobody knew. He says that a lot when he, it's clear that he just learned a fact, right? Yeah. Nobody or not many people know, or nobody knew that Abe Lincoln was a Republican. <laughs> when you're like, everybody knew that except <laughs> Donald <laughs> Trump. So there's part of me that wonders, you know, if you if you take that, nobody knows if you think if you assume nobody means Donald Trump, then this idea that nobody knows, like, I think there is a chance that he just hasn't really thought about it. This will come down
1: to a big test between the influence of the secretary of defense, Mattis, and the new national security Advisor John Bolton, Right? who has the who has Trump's ear. If they throw the deal away, I think Bolton wins. Mattis has been lobbying to say Iran is complying. This is in our interest. If if Trump comes out and says, you know, uh, we've got a new deal, we're going to keep the old one in France and Germany. We're going to have this new deal. Then Mattis wins. But I think Mm -hmm. this is really telling in terms of which direction the U.S. is going. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think Pompeo as the new so Pompeo has been doing you know, the new he's the new was confirmed as the secretary of state and has been doing this big. I mean, he's making a push to sort of revitalize the State Department. So I, I don't like him. But I like that he's trying to revitalize the State Department. I don't have a hint. I don't have a sense of what his take is on Iran or how much of Trump's ear he has. I don't. Do you think he comes into play here at all? I, I think he's pretty hawkish on issues, but
1: his role might redefine this. Right. So as right. soon as
0: it, where the, you stand depends on where you sit. Exactly, says Graham Allison. Exactly right.
1: <laughs> So if, if the United States pulls out of this agreement, which I, I if I was betting, Nick, I think you're you're probably right. It complicates things bigly, right? I mean, it, it becomes much more difficult to negotiate a long-term deal. <laughs> Iran, nobody's going to have an interest in doing this. So I, th- that might might create an incentive for Pompeo to say, let's build on the old agreement. Let me be diplomatic. I, I, I don't know. I,
0: go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> Your use of bigly sparked something in my head. Yes. Netanyahu <laughs> used a phrase that, I don't think he said big league, but I think he said big time oh. in his presentation. Ooh, Trumpy it,
1: like, like <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> we Nick, we should probably talk beers do you have something did you want to say on this
2: uh no i i mean <clears throat> I, I i think you guys have have hit it on the on the head it was a, it was it was a campaign speech more than anything to uh to get donald trump uh fired up um i i i don't see this thing lasting the uh the the nuclear deal lasting for more than another month something like that i I can't even imagine what the repercussions of something like that would be. Having said that, when it came down, I was one of the people who was staunchly against it because of how many loopholes and weird provisions and just sunset clauses, which, I mean, realistically the next time that i think some of the clauses expire isn't until 2025 or something like yep. that but the fact that there are even sunset clauses is ridiculous who doesn't love a good sunset <laughs> that's true that's a good point i hear they're really really great in the shadow of a mushroom cloud it's really nice um yeah i i i, I don't know i i think the deal itself was bad but as i've been hearing a lot of pundits and and people in the federal government stating over the past week or so it's better to have this in place and know there's at least some structure for inspections and the ability to call them out on their bullshit if there's something going on on top of the fact that uh, from what i understand israeli intelligence did brief the president on this information months and months ago um so they knew I mean, yeah. all of this information—it's—it's it's not new. Right. Right. Um, I—I I don't know if—if if it goes away without a reasonable replacement um, or some sort of um, cooldown period, or they can create some type of new deal, it's gonna—it's gonna be a huge deal, it and we're gonna a bigger problem. Yeah, than we're gonna, gonna trade to one nuclear crisis for another. Yeah. So
0: Nick says it, it goes away. What do you think, Bill? Do you think Trump beers. extends it or ends it? Oh, I, obviously, I'm hoping he
1: extends it. I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll I'll take the. I think he'll keep it. I think Mattis <laughs> wins the day, o- if only because he's got a good story coming out of North Korea, and he could do one of these things where he says, "I'm not happy with this deal, but we're going to continue to negotiate and see if we can't deal with the runs, ballistic missile issues." Like he, then he gets a win, right? He can say North Korea is going well. I'm still working on on Iran. I, that's where I'm leaning, but
0: again, who knows? Where, where I, are you at? I think he ends it. I if I had to if I had to bet, I would bet that he ends it. And I and I would bet <laughs> that he ends it one because I think the actual Iran issue is abstract to him, right? The 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 thing that's concrete to him is, you know, it's an Obama thing, his supporters don't like it, he watches Fox News, they don't like it. I think all that stuff weighs far heavier than the actual nuances of Iranian nuclear policy. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think li- contributes to him ending it is that I think he there's a there's a real chance that he takes the wrong lessons from North Korea. I agree. North Korea came to the table because I was, you know, firm and we'll nuke you if you don't do what we want and so i think that if you take that lesson and apply it to iran the whole negotiating thing is is the wrong way to do it that saying give it up or else is the better approach and so yeah. i that my fear is that that's the lesson he takes from north korea oh, yeah. that's a good go one. girl you, you
1: guys are so smart <laughs> i learned from you can i can i just say that when we get to talk foreign policy for half an hour and drink a good beer the beer goes down so much yeah, better it's delicious. You know? so. Mm. all right phil why don't you start us off what are you drinking
0: So I am tonight, there is, I've been hearing about this brewery for a long time. There is this brewery in in Western Mass called Treehouse Brewing Company, and people talk about it all the time, but I've never had one of the beers because you have to go to the brewery to get it. They don't sell it retail, but my local beer supplier down at Brewtopia got his hands on it, and for whatever reason, (laughs) he decided he would share with me. And so I had Julius, which is the the IPA from um, Treehouse Brewing Company. Um, and he said to me as he gave it to me, "Don't share this. <laughs> this is good, and it is it is really good. Um, it's real citrusy. Like the when you first the first taste is sweet and fruity. It's citrusy and kind of you know mango and peach and all that stuff. But it like quickly gives way to this really hoppy flavor and kind of this tartness. It it was it was excellent. It was really good." Um, and so all of our listeners who will never get their hands on one because you have to go to Massachusetts to get it, <laughs> uh-huh. I rub in that this was a delicious beer. Oh, that was a good review.
2: <laughs> Nick, what are we drinking? Uh, so we had a uh, – so from it's, it's uh, from 18th Street Brewery uh, Sex, and Can- uh, Sex and Candy uh, IPA. They are out of uh, Hammond, Indiana. Um, I like this one a yeah. lot. It's real good. Um, yeah, it's an IPA, but it's got, like, kind of a nice – malty mm-hmm. caramely sweetness to it. It's not overly hoppy, which I like. It's got a, it's a nice middle ground. It, it is. It's it's not
1: flat, but there's like it's less bubbly than some other IPAs. Yeah. It just it went down really well. It's um, real good. It is. That was that's I I there's
2: so many IPAs out there. It's hard to distinguish, but this was very, very good. Yeah. I would like to apologize to the listeners for my distractedness in the first segment. My beer glass is cracked. Is it leaking? I ke- it's, it was leaking everywhere. Oh, boy. So I kept having it. It's, it's bullshit. <laughs> I would like an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I may be responsible for that, Nick. <laughs> um, so if you uh, are interested in the beers that we try, um, absolutely do not um, look at Untapped because uh, I'm assuming we're going to put the uh, Phil's one up on uh, on Untapped. I'm really distracted right now. Um, yeah, look on uh, Untapped for the beers that we try. We're just Barstool Politics on there. Uh, follow us. Uh, offer beer suggestions. Ooh, a Solo Cup. I love Solo Cups. Um, yeah, do that, because we put I all think, of our beers on there.
0: I feel like you said absolutely do not look
2: on... Uh I did because your guy told you told you not to share. It oh with yeah, anyone. yeah, Okay, yeah. That yeah. was the joke, and then I got. I got distracted. it. I'm a little slow. It's because <laughs> yeah. I've had a beer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> All right, speed round time. Yay! I'm excited about this first topic. So trouble at the White House correspondence dinner. Comedian Michelle Wolfe caused an uproar at the White House Correspondents' Dinner on Saturday. Wolf took aim at President Trump, his policies, the media. Yet what really lathered everybody up was his, or I'm sorry, her attack on pres, uh, Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who sat just a few feet away. Her most biting joke, quote, I actually really like Sarah. I think she's really resourceful. Like she burns facts and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. Nick, I think that's funny. All right. Shut up, Bill. (laughs) As soon as we'll finish, the outrage cycle went into overdrive as journalists and the Trump administration uh, alike decried the routine as inappropriate, harsh, a disgrace, or as Trump put it, an embarrassment. This is not entirely without President Stephen Colbert, Wanda Sykes. uh, Other comedians have also been criticized for their Quote, inappropriate and rude comments during the their hosting of the dinner. Nick, you don't suffer snowflakes lightly.
2: What was your reaction to all of this? <laughs> I like how you specifically wrote me in on the outlines. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Thank you for that. Let's just start that one right there. Oh, apparently that doesn't make a sound. Hold on, I gotta make sounds. Um, yeah, I um, I find it hilarious that uh, um, in these situations, if it is not a woman. <clears throat> my apologies, Um, on the left, they are completely willing to eviscerate any woman on the right for her physical appearance. Um, She's just not... It's just not funny. Like, it's just... Go ahead. I (laughs) have more to say on this, but go ahead. It
0: wasn't a critique of her appearance, though. It was a compliment of her appearance.
2: This was not the only joke. That was one joke, okay? She was very blatant in what she was saying about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which realistically, yeah, sorry, she looks like a linebacker, but that's not the point. Like, you're there to... When you look at the history of the Correspondence Dinner, it's a good-faith thing where you kind of jovially make fun of each other, and it's become this weird biting thing about, you know, we try and find... I don't know if it's purposeful, but they try and find somebody who's the anathema of who is currently in mm-hmm. power to, uh, you know, give voice to the opposing viewpoint. It's just weird, and it's cutting, and it's mean-spirited. And then she's going after Kellyanne Conway and just various other people. Really... um there's, there's not, a, there's a, a, a very thin veil of of decency over yeah. it now. And realistically, if this was someone coming from the opposing viewpoint, if the roles were switched, I'd be saying the exact same thing. It, it, you can be funny and not be an asshole about it too. Like mm-hmm. this, it's just not the venue. Okay. And realistically, this just gives further credence to the fact that, like, th- this whole thing is just unnecessary at this point. The whole tradition is unnecessary and w- when you have journalists then going out and defending sarah B. huckabee or sarah huckabee sanders I, that's ah god that's mm, yeah that's bad phil I,
0: so i'm gonna agree with part and disagree with part okay, i'm go. gonna agree with the part that says really that this whole thing is stupid not not the controversy the white house correspondence dinner is stupid they like this long-standing like the whole idea of the the Washington insiders and the press being all buddy buddy and we're all gonna drink and laugh together is problematic in and of itself. The idea that, I mean, this has been for a long time kind of a roast style, uh, whatever dinner. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know that we are in a place as a country that we can do this sort of thing, oh. <laughs> unfortunately. But the whole point is, it, it's it's dumb. The whole I, I, it's problematic. The idea of the if you want to celebrate the press, then celebrate the press. Don't do it in this way. So I, I have a problem with the whole White House Correspondents' Dinner thing. On the in in terms of of um, Michelle, it's Michelle Wolf. Michelle right? Wolf. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I. some of her stuff made me uncomfortable because I'm not a confrontational person and I think you should be nice to everyone. (laughs) But I have a really hard time feeling sorry for anyone in that room. This is an administration that has, for a year and a half and through a campaign prior to that, taken shots at anybody and everybody like making fun, Donald Trump makes fun of people's looks. They make fun of people's, you know, attitudes. They question everyone's loyalty, and the stuff that she was saying all might have been like put in a harsh way. But this administration, they do lie. Mm-hmm. They, Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders gets up there and tells stuff that is like blatantly, obviously a deception. And so I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, as much as it sort of made me uncomfortable, I, I don't know that it's hard for me to like argue against the stuff that she said we could talk about whether it was funny or not but the critique especially since when they invited her the invitation like, the the person who put this whole thing together said they wanted someone who would speak truth to power. power. And she Ugh. comes and says this,
2: and their response is, that was a bit much. Right.
0: <laughs> so, Which is I, terrible. I, Come on.
2: I, yeah. I, well, yeah. all, right, all right, hold, hold on. Yeah. One, one thing. Um, the clock isn't even running at this point. Um, <laughs> like, I, I completely agree that you should be able to speak truth to power, but at the same time, isn't the... I, I, I mean, my viewpoint is that... Y- I agree that they have lied. They've lied pretty consistently in this administration. Yeah. Should we continue to sink to that level mm-hmm. as a culture and people who are speaking to the administration? Shouldn't you put a better front on it at this point? And I agree that they don't necessarily deserve that. But there has to be a breaking point where we go. We're not going to be like that anymore because you continue to go down that road. And, and there's they, really are you, no are turning you channeling back.
1: Channeling
0: Michelle Obama when
2: they go low, we go high. I am certainly <laughs> not channeling Michelle Obama. Don't ever say that to me again. If, but if somebody if
0: somebody is lying to me and I
2: say you're a liar, it, am I seeking to their level or am I just calling them on their shit? But the, like, you don't need a comedian then. Like, just have like go out there and just point at them and go, "You're a liar." Don't have this stupid fa- facade about this weird gala with journalists and it's this whole thing where the nation's going to wa- no just like you can do that on twitter now and you do do that on twitter we don't need to like it's it's completely unnecessary we're back at the point that this whole thing is completely unnecessary that i agree with both of you the dinner is a stupid thing they should stop it, it it's it, every year we have the same
1: conversation every single year whether it's um oh, i can't think of the guy that did it last oh it was seth meyers before the year before Colbert? that it was Colbert? No, Colbert was he? Colbert was Bush. Was w? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but either way, we have this little uproar. It's like, "Oh, they're so it's so awful." So don't bring comedians in, right? Because when you bring a comedian, comedian in, what they want to do is truth to power. They're going to call you. They're going to be uncomfortable. That's part of comedy is to poke. So bring in Phil Barker, who will you know, make everybody feel good about themselves and not I'm be hilarious. hilarious.
2: But that's the thing. Like, they were... They used to be able to do that. You go back to, like, Reagan or something, and they had Bob Hope on there sure. just telling jokes for an hour. Time, Nick. There's no more Bob Hope. Or you had, like, Dana Carvey doing his, his Bush impression or yeah. something. Like, it was... There's... Something changed at some point. I don't know where it was specifically. I want to say it was with uh, Bush Jr. that it, it started happening. It just... It warped into this weird, toxic, like uh, just frenemy relationship thing. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> but it's just no good. Do you remember when that's George. Crit- used to be funny. Go ahead, Phil. That's a critique of the dinner, not yeah. necessarily of Michelle Wolf, though. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, agree. yeah not about her. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I just think she's not funny.
1: And I think that's a different critique, right? <laughs> to say that it wasn't funny. I. I've struggled with this over the week because my initial reaction was, was kind of like yours, both of yours. I thought this was inappropriate. It's not the right venue. But then I've heard her interviewed a few times, and I've heard some other comedians speak to this and say, this is what com- comedians yep. do. We, yep. we poke. We make people uncomfortable. And if she's asked to, br- to be brought in and push people, she did her job. And, and this, this event should be blown up. They shouldn't do it anymore. But I don't fault her for coming in and calling people out. And in some ways, it's not for the audience there. It's for the it's for television. It's you know, and so for her, I, I, I think she did exactly what she should do. I don't critique it. I don't know if I found it funny like you, Nick. But she's a respected comedian, so you know, whatever, it's her I, deal. I, I,
2: I would debate I, that point, but yes, that she's I, a respected. She's got a show, comedian. Nick. You know what? The second yeah. that that thing was over, she was on the top of my Netflix list. Yeah, yeah, w- completely non not prompting me. I, I just, I, mm. we'll, we'll tag her on Facebook. No, I, today. no we will not do that.
0: <laughs> I agree, Bill. I think that I think that if you, you know, good, good on her. Mm-hmm. And she, I, I have to say that I respect that in the time since she hasn't backed down. She yeah. hasn't apologized. She's basically said, they asked me to come do this, and every, I, I stand by everything I said. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a liar, right? And right. and I, there's something. I mean, like. I I feel like you have to be a little conflicted, Nick, right? Because this is the sort of thing we've talked about, that the whole, like, apologize for everything. And, like, there's something about,
2: you know. I I agree. If that's what she feels like, yeah, she should not apologize for it. Is that the right venue for that to happen? I don't think so. I, I think there was, there's a more tactful way of doing it, and she's not a good enough comedian to be that tactful while still being funny.
1: I would attack the press, too. So I understand why the yep. Trump administration yeah. responds and says this is terrible. That's their job. That's what they need to do. They need to have this narrative pushing back against this. But the press, their reaction was like, oh, this is terrible. How awful. Right. You know, This is free speech. And you may say I would have loved if some of the journalists had tweeted out that wasn't funny, but they didn't. They're like, that's inappropriate. That's a different right. thing. When you bring people in to say, you know, let's have a, a confrontational, funny talk you can't then backtrack and say oh that was a little over the top
0: and and again the contrast you can't bypass the 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 contrast which is that on the night this was happening was when donald trump was having his rally in detroit right in which he was asking of he was like you know asking if there were any hispanics and the crowd was booing (laughs) and like he was taking shots at people and he was he was calling out uh what's his name tester and and accusing him like threatening him from the stage so I have a hard time getting worked up or feeling bad for the people who have volunteered or chosen to work for Donald Trump when he, you know, I, I just can't, I can't, I, I just can't feel bad oh. about someone saying bad things about them let's, in their present. Let's like, make I this perfectly clear.
2: Nobody, you should feel bad for no one who was in that room that night. It's, yeah, it, it's, I, I mean, I think we're in agreement that the whole thing is just dumb yeah. and just needs to go away yeah. at this point.
1: All right, jump to topic two. Yeah. So, Ronnie Jackson. Uh, so, Ronnie Jackson's nomination to be President Trump's... I want to ja- read this. <laughs> you want to read the title? Oh, I really want to read it. <laughs> so so bad. All right, so it. the title for this topic, I'm sorry, Dr. Jackson. Oh, I am for real. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ronnie Jackson's nomination oh, to be President Trump's Secretary of Veteran <laughs> <laughs> Affairs collapsed last week amid anonymous allegations. Uh, And now it appears he's not even going to get his old job back as Trump's personal White House doctor. Uh, Jackson's failed nomination has been turned into a political football with Trump using it to attack Senator John Tester, a Democrat from Montana. Tester passed on the anonymous accounts of 23 people who worked with Jackson, many of which were active military. They alleged Jackson passed out pills like, quote, Candyman, got drunk on the job and was an all around awful guy to work for. Some of it has been substantiated, including uh, by Vice President uh, Pence's doctor who raised concerns last fall. Yet a lot of questions still need to be answered. And it's fair to suggest that Trump may want to think about upgrading his vetting process. Uh, So, Phil, I don't know. Like, where were you in all of this? What was your reaction to the the circus? Uh,
0: You know, I'm 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 torn. I'm not torn on the whole. He needs to upgrade it. We've known for a long time that there is no vetting process. Trump knows somebody and invites them to do the job. I, I feel like we should just get out of the way from the beginning that Ronnie Jackson was incredibly underqualified for this position. Yeah. He probably should not have been um, confirmed for f- to to head the the um, Veterans Administration. The question about whether or not these issues should have been what brought him down, I I am I'm torn on because I feel like that's what a confirmation hearing is for. Mm-hmm. And so if if 23 people have come forward with the accusations, then it seems like. As a senator on that committee, it should be your job to press that issue and clarify it. Um, I know that some people have, and Nick, you sent an article out about uh, that from somebody who was in the Bush administration alleging that these were basically flimsy allegations and that Mm -hmm. Ronnie Jackson's life has been basically torn apart for for no good reason. (laughs) Um, And I, I, no, yeah, and I, I don't know. I was trying to, I haven't heard a whole lot else about that. So, I don't know. I mean, I, f- I feel like I feel bad for him that Trump put him up for this. You're going to get intense scrutiny. Um, and and it feels like, you know, th- this sort of issue should be questioned. I don't know. Should there be more like vetting of that issue before it's brought to
2: the hearing? Is- no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that's the vetting process right there. If uh, you you need a confirmation hearing to get this about. Av- I don't know. Hmm. In this particular situation, yeah, there probably was not a lot of vetting from the administration prior to him being nominated. But regardless, I think they can nominate who they want, and it's your job as part of the federal government to break that person down and find out if there are any faults. The fact that it didn't even get that far and then got completely... um, uh, torn apart by the media. I, I mean, realistically, he did get crucified in the media over the past week or two. Yeah, uh, rightfully so or wrongfully so. I, I think that the allegations are probably correct. Um, some of them may not be, but we'll never really know at this point. And if that's all it takes to completely. Uh, disenfranchise people from taking these positions or prevent people from being nominated before they even get to a chance where they get to defend themselves i think that sets a really bad precedent
0: but shouldn't it also be that if you want to serve in national government you shouldn't go around handing out bills that you shouldn't be handing out uh, again yeah, well? no. <laughs> yes. show show me the I mean, evidence well, well, there's an. go ahead there's another side to this or the other critique that I've seen people raise, which I think is a valid critique, which is if he was doing this, if he was like driving drunk and handing out prescriptions that he shouldn't have been handing out, then how the hell has he been the White House doctor yes. for eight or 10 years or right. whatever? Like, that should have this stuff should have been caught earlier. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, most of his tenure was under the Obama administration. Right. So. What, what happened?
0: Well,
1: and that's why vetting at two levels is so important. So the, the, the executive branch, the president, needs to have his homework done to look into these things. I mean, they, if you go back to the George W. Bush administration, they vetted to a level like Dick Cheney vetted you where you just felt like awful afterwards because they looked at every single detail possible. And they knew what was coming. That's what a good presidential administration should do. And then when they don't do that, stuff like this happens. Mm-hmm. And whether it's true or not true, it's it's hard to know. But the fact that the Trump administration isn't pushing for him to get his old job, the fact that, I mean, Tester's taking a lot of heat for this, but this was a, a bipartisan decision to, to let this information get out there. So which leads me to think that if both Democrats and Republicans on the Senate are allowing this to be aired, there's got to be something there. But I would like more information because- right. If it is to, is what you said, Nick, if it's simply rumors and allegations, this is terrible. Uh, but again, this is the reality of, of if you want to run a big organization, this is the big boy
0: politics. It's going to get ugly. Uh, what, I, yeah. Go ahead. What? How do you feel about <laughs> the other aspect of this? I, I was going to ask how do you feel about, but I think uh, that's a silly question. The other problem with this whole thing is Trump's response. <laughs> Trump's response. I was going to ask how you feel about Trump's response, but I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you how I feel about Trump's response. <laughs> um, the fact that Trump has numerous times from at his rally, uh, you know, he's he's made these comments. I think on Twitter as well, basically targeting Tester and not just target, not just saying that testers at fault but to, he has insinuated that he has information on tester that he could release that would end tester's career Ooh, juicy. That, that's like that's blackmail it you is. can't like the president <laughs> of the united terrible. states saying that about a sitting senator is
1: insane especially about a guy who he's alleging released information incorrectly right i mean it's all it's all terrible and it, it feels to me that trump has moved on he realized that this the the this issue's over, so I'm going to go after Tester because I might be able to steal a Senate seat back. Uh, mm-hmm. If he really believed that, he would have reinstated him as his doctor, and he didn't do that. Uh, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: M- moving on. Moving on. Okay.
1: <laughs> all right. Next topic. So, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly correctly calls Trump an idiot. <laughs>
0: That's an opinion. That okay. That's very much all an right, All right. I don't like these outlines anymore. I'd like an
1: apology. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> According to an NBC story, uh, White House chief of staff John Kelly has referred to Trump as an idiot multiple times and told <laughs> aides he is the quote lone bulk work against catastrophe, curbing the erratic urges of a president who has the que- who has a questionable grasp on policy issues and the functions of government. In case you've forgotten, this is also the same same Donald Trump who went on Fox and Friends last week and spent half an hour ranting to the host. As the time went by, the host finally realized the president was not going to get off the line unless they forcibly (laughs) told him it was time to end the conversation. It was truly bonkers. Uh, According to the NBC story, there uh, there was one particularly heated exchange between the president and Kelly, in which Kelly strongly and successfully dissuaded Trump from ordering the withdrawal of all U.S. troops from the Korean Peninsula. I don't even know how that's even possible. Uh, once word got out that poor, sleepy Rex Tillerson had called Trump a moron, he wasn't long for the administration. Do we see a similar path for Kelly, and what does that mean for the country? Are we doomed, Phil Barker?
0: Well, Kelly has denied this, so like case closed. We're oh, okay. done. Okay, moving yeah. on. Right. Uh, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I hadn't thought about whether or not this would be the end of Kelly. I, I hadn't sort of tied that to, to Tillerson, but... Um, uh yeah i mean i have so to go back to my first statement you, you're right that that when you say that he correctly calls trump an idiot I, i'm gonna generally agree especially with the statement that uh the erratic urges of a president who has a questionable grasp on policy issues and the functions of government i don't know that truer words have ever been said but yeah. um i don't like i don't like this is i'm this is hard for me because i don't like john kelly i've, I've never liked john kelly um but I do think that he has. I don't know. Can we say that he has somehow reigned in Trump? Like, we think, look at the time before Trump, I mean, before Kelly and after Kelly. And I don't know that the Trump administration has been that much saner under Kelly. Maybe How much of effect is he bit. really having? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it all depends. We won't really know this until after the administration, when the books are written, the stories come out, until we see what Trump really was arguing for.
2: He was going to pull everybody out of Korea. <laughs> I'm thinking we're better off right now than we could have been. <laughs> That's true. Like, let's
0: be real here, folks. But I also would like to think that whoever you plug in anybody um, into that position and not you know, almost anybody, like even John Bolton.
2: Yeah, let's be if, real careful if, about that. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Even John Bolton in that situation if Trump was like, we, we should get all the troops out of Korea. I feel like even John Bolton would be like, well, hold on, Mr. President. <laughs> it's a.
1: it's. I go back and forth because I, agree, I generally agree with you that uh, Kelly gets too much credit. Uh, and, and we're not even going to talk about some of the misogynist things he said about women being overly sensitive and that you shouldn't swear in front of a woman. I, I, I think it's likely that he has uh, constrained some of the worst impulses of Trump, uh, somebody who doesn't really know much about the world and has this gut. Instinct about what he wants to do, but hasn't done any of his homework. So I think it's I think it's fair to say that he probably has prevented things from getting worse, um, and that
2: I, uh, that's, that's something. The, I think that's the best you can hope for, right? right. Now. I think he's yeah. a very intelligent guy, and he's a, obviously a a very strategic person. Uh, I I I mean, this is uncharted territory. How do you deal with someone who has no uh, uh, again no grasp of how the government works Mm -hmm. all you can do is tell him not to nuke someone or not to remove troops from somewhere in those really you know kind of base id type of conversations that probably go on more regularly than they should in any other administration it's i I don't think he knows what to do at this point i i honestly feel in this particular situation i feel bad for him i feel bad for anybody who gets drawn into Mm -hmm this orbit and has to deal with that kind of behavior but
1: you need somebody like that yeah. so whoever the next john kelly is they have to have that same role if they are an enabler then things get really really dangerous because the role the, the president of the united states has tremendous power and a whimsical decision could end you know could undermine the global economy could create nuclear war i mean this is not like just Fun conversation. There are real implications to the president making a poor decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, credit for to John Kelly for playing that role,
0: even if it will only be for a year. That's that's true. I should I should give John Kelly credit because much, I don't I don't <laughs> like him. But he's clearly miserable doing what he's doing. He is not, you know, he's not Steve Bannon or the Mooch or someone who's there to sort of manipulate Trump and like rise, you know, raise his own status. He is clearly doing this as a sense of duty. Mm. And even if I don't necessarily like him or agree with all his views, um, there's something noble about that.
1: Yes. Uh, but nobody leaves this administration in a better place than when they entered it. So, yeah. you know, Rex Tillerson, there's a whole host of people, even the Mooch, right? I mean, the Mooch is 11 days. It Mooch is the best, him. man. He's
2: doing great now. So, He's the
1: best. But wherever, whatever John Kelly does after this, he and he probably just best? retires, yeah. uh, he doesn't come out of this better off. I mean, there was a story not too long ago where... Even at lower levels, individuals who are leaving the Trump administration are not able to get the normal jobs that somebody oh, yeah. who works in a position of power should
2: instantly be able to get. No, they're radioactive. Yeah. Nobody wants any part of them whatsoever, right. um, except for book deals.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So do you think do you think Kelly will pay a price for this, for the yeah. reports that he's calling the president? an idiot? You think he's done? Two weeks.
1: Three weeks? I give him a month. It took. It took longer to fire Tillerson than we thought. The moron came. Uh, moron comment came out, and then it, it was. It was a weeks before he was gone. I think tell, Kelly's done.
0: And um, this isn't the first time that there has been speculation that Kelly might be on the way out. Yes. So if you consider, if this had been the first controversy, then
2: possibly. Call me when he's on the shitter. We'll do it then. Right. We gotta. We gotta set a. <laughs> we gotta set a tradition.
0: Who, who the hell replaces him? I don't know. Who knows? Hey, Ronnie Jackson. Right, Jackson. Jackson.
1: Yeah, it's 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 bad. It's bad news. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next topic. Uh, Mueller has a few questions for Donald Trump. The special counsel, Robert Mueller, recently provided uh, President Trump's lawyers a list of 49 questions he would like Trump to answer in an interview. The list was obtained by The New York Times, and it's a fun list. There are at least uh, four dozen questions that cover a wide range of topics. It's clear Mueller wants to learn more about Trump's ties to Russia and determine whether he obstructed justice. Uh, Trump called it a disgrace that the special counsel's office had leaked the material, although we don't actually know who leaked these questions. Trump also noted that none of the questions mentioned collusion, which while uh, technically correct that the word collusion was not used, there's a lot of potential collusion questions. Uh, Trump's response makes me think there is no way I would let Trump anywhere near these questions. Do you gentlemen agree?
2: He may not have a choice. Wasn't there a story today that uh, Mueller said he could potentially subpoena subpoena him Trump yeah. yes. to... uh, if if they don't sit down?
1: It's getting, it's getting
2: scary. Yes, it is, yes, <laughs> I mean, it is. is um, very uncomfortable. Yes, and for <laughs> so, each
1: each of these
0: questions, there
1: will be follow up questions. Ooh, so, yeah, follow ups are the worst.
2: Uh, Phil.
0: <laughs> So the, this question about uh, if you let Trump, it's an interesting debate. I, there were a number of articles today talking about this uh, apparently ongoing war within the Trump legal camp. And there were changes. Again, we, we mentioned that Ty Cobb is out as of this afternoon. Um, and they've hired a, or they apparently are in the process of hiring a guy who was on Clinton's impeachment defense team, which I don't know if that says something. Um, But apparently there's this debate within the Trump legal team about whether or not Trump should talk to Mueller. And I guess there are some within it who think that absolutely under no condition should Trump talk to Mueller. And others, I guess led by Rudy Giuliani, um, are trying to uh, think are, are trying to argue that a conversation could basically put off a subpoena. And so apparently there was a lot of speculation that all, so that a lot of these leaks are coming from the Trump legal team from these two warring sides. So, um, oh. one side leaking the questions, I guess the questions as they were leaked had typos in them. So the department of justice basically said, we didn't leak them because <laughs> there were like clearly the, the would, they read the questions to the Trump legal team over the phone or something. They jotted it down and there were mistakes in it. So, um, <sighs> But uh, the yeah, I guess the, the argument is that um, people who don't want Trump to talk to Mueller leaked these questions to show the breadth and the extent of the questions that Trump would have to deal with if he talked to Mueller to basically try to you know, convince him that he can't handle this like broad of and this nuance of a discussion. And then um, speculation that the leak about a potential subpoena was also leaked from the other side, essentially saying, if you don't talk to Mueller, you're going to get subpoena. So fascinating. This, yes. It's really interesting to see this sort of battle within the Trump legal team. Okay. I, I That's, you know, some of that is speculation, but it seems plausible to me. Nick. <laughs> Yes. If I'm if I'm Trump's
1: lawyer, and I, my my job is to keep him out of jail, I do not let him answer these questions. No,
2: absolutely not. Wait for the fucking subpoena. Yeah. Like, I, I, sorry. Like, there's there's no way. There's he 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 just can't. You can't. Yeah. The fact that there's a potential for any follow up questions, mm-hmm. even if it's after his name, you can't allow <laughs> right. him to answer anything because he will lie about it. It's just whether he means to or not, he's going to lie about it. It's well worth the risk to wait for a subpoena that may or may not come as opposed to trying to to taking this this bait that it's clearly a trap. Like, don't do it.
1: Let let him let him send the subpoena. Let that subpoena work its way to the Supreme Court. And I don't know how long that would take. And even it's going to su- take a while. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's going
2: to take the rest of the administration. Right.
1: So that you can find your way. Because I, I agree with you. You know, I would love to have him answer questions. I would like to. I don't think he would. I think he would do what Trump does. But you're right. There's no way in answering question number one. He wouldn't lie six times. Right. right. Including about, about things that didn't
0: matter. About easily provable stuff. Correct. too. So yes. it's not it's not that he would lie. And there's no way to like sh- prove that he lied. He would lie about stuff that they, Mueller would instantly be like, well, here's the document. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, and the other thing you, you were mentioning,
1: Phil, the reason for leaking those documents by, by his lawyers is that Mueller knows more than these questions. So right. at least with Bill Clinton, when Bill Clinton was impeached and he, he was subpoenaed and had to go answer questions, you knew what those questions were going to be about. We don't know what Mueller knows which makes it infinitely more dangerous for Trump than it was for Clinton. And Bill Clinton lied, even in that circumstance he lied. I
2: mean, we know exactly what he knows because he wouldn't be asking the questions if he didn't know what the answers to those were already. Uh, And regardless of what we if we know the actual questions, if there are questions, he knows what the answer is already. Donald Trump does. No, 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 Mueller Mueller. Mueller Mueller does. does. Yeah.
1: And he's interviewed people who've told him. Right. So that's the point. Isn't that
0: right. – that's, that's an old legal thing, right? Never ask a question you don't already know the answer Correct. to. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And as I was uh, reading through these questions, they're not easy questions. They require no. a fair amount of detail. Right. Remembering what were you thinking at this point? What were you thinking at that
2: point? It is a minefield. I just came for it. It was a great campaign rally. It was his best campaign rally ever. It was, it was bigly great. There was this nice woman in his front row. And it's it's going to go on for like 20 minutes until the, he gets the actual answer. The only thing that thinks he might be able to save himself is that he
1: lies so much and knows so little that maybe all of that insane information would overwhelm Mueller that he would not be able to make any sense of it all. He's going to O.J.
2: Simpson it? Okay, I don't think that's
0: I know. I think you're I I realize the bell rang, but I I think you're right that you let the subpoena come because Bill Clinton was subpoenaed, but they agreed to to have a discussion or an interview. So the subpoena was dropped. So the the legality of subpoenaing the president was never fully settled. It seems like most legal experts think that, yes, he can be subpoenaed, but there would be this long and people are already getting tired of the Mueller investigation. And so I think drag it out. There's another whole question about whether Trump should plead the fifth Mm -hmm. um, if these questions come up. And as a legal, you know, strategy, the answer is probably yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. That would be the easy solution. But then, you know, that there are he's Trump has made public statements about only people who are guilty plead the
2: fifth well that's I think he's I I, you make the joke but I think he's gonna if that was the situation he would OJ Simpson it yeah he's he's gonna answer the questions because he thinks he can outwit someone he should they should tell him three things they should tell him to
1: say I'm pleading the fifth or I'm the commander-in-chief or executive privilege right Right. that's it you know you can't yeah and that's that's all he should but say. He but he won't just say right. that. No. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely. All right. Anyway, <laughs> we should move on. All right, final topic. We're back to Trump's doctor, oh, but okay. his other doctor. So <laughs> President Trump's longtime physician gave an interview uh, published on Tuesday which, in which he said after telling the New York Times that Trump took a drug to promote his hair, Propecia. Uh, Trump had aides carry out a raid of his Manhattan office last February and removed all of Trump's medical files. Now, this is Dr. Harold Bornstein, who served as Trump's personal doctor for 36 years, told NBC News that the roughly half hour encounter left him feeling raped, frightened and sad. He said the president's bodyguard, really? Keith Schiller, accompanied by a lawyer for the Trump organization and a third man, uh, took the files that you can't make this stuff up. Uh, so thoughts on the president's crazy, make this so raid of the office. And I was trying to think of something else. Uh, oh, the other thing is that uh, the doctor in the interview also said that Trump dictated the letter yes. uh, yeah. back. So there was this big – during the campaign, this doctor released this letter in which he said Trump would be the healthiest man ever elected to the presidency. <laughs> Trump dictated that
2: letter to him, and he wrote it and signed it. Which wrote... makes bigly in here a lot. You, <laughs> right. Is that is that a medical term? Yeah.
0: <laughs> It makes perfect sense. Like when you reread that letter, it sounds like Donald Trump Trump. talking about himself, one hundred percent. So I mean, this is like—they seem like they're made for each other because the there is a problem with raiding a doctor's office. Um, you have a right to your medical records, but these three random people <laughs> did not. Right? Donald Trump has the right to go in and say, "I want my medical records." <laughs> right. People and the the doctor pointed out that they didn't have a signed paper saying they had a right to have access to these. So it's a violation of of patient you yep, know uh, yeah. privacy rights. Yeah.
2: Now um, for, for the bodyguard
0: <laughs> to show up and and raid an office. Having said that, um, talking openly about what medication (laughs) your patient is prescribed is also a violation and he said yesterday in the interview that aired he said i just mentioned he was taking propecia what's the big deal (laughs) (laughs) also a violation of ethics also if you're willing to sign off on a statement of health that your patient dictated to you also an ethical problem so (laughs) You know, in some ways, it just seems like they just really are a match made in heaven. It's just another cavalcade of idiots.
1: And I'm I'm tired of this argument of you know if anybody else had done this because it's it, Trump it always that argument always works. But think about all the attention that was paid to Hillary Clinton and her healthcare issues. And if a story right. broke that Hillary had dictated a particular letter to her doctor that was then released, and again, it wouldn't be as stupid as Trump's and,
0: letter, but still. And that Clinton aides then raided the doctor's office and stole all the files on Clinton? It's Benghazi all
1: over again. Mm. For
0: sure. sure.
1: And and the thing is, this story, it's the last story we're talking about. It's getting no real attention other than the fact that this guy's a goofball. And it's it's kind of a funny story. But there are real implications. And it, it speaks to the broader way in which Trump undermines all norms, doesn't care about anything, lies all of the time. I mean, the fact that he told the doctor to do this is wrong. The fact that the doctor did it is wrong. I mean, it's all it just speaks to I think it could circle back to his his appointment to the Ronnie Jackson to the VA. I mean, he just it doesn't none of nothing matters to him and it's all stupid, Vilnick. <laughs> what? So, <laughs> Thank you
0: for throwing <laughs> that softball to me. Yeah. Go ahead, Phil. Is there a story underneath it though, which is that You have a fake letter about Trump's health, some little bit about how he wants, he's taking a medicine to regrow hair, Leaks and so Trump people go and raid the office and take all his files. Mm-hmm. There's the possibility that there's you know there's some medical issue underneath that that Trump is worried is going to get out. It's also possible that Trump is so vain that he has an issue with yes. a leak about how he takes propecia. That. and I don't know which of those is more accurate. I don't know. Like, you know I don't exactly know how to make sense which it. one is more <laughs> yes. accurate. <laughs> yes, I think we do. <laughs> it's not. It's the propecia made him worry about the fact that it might get leaked that he also uses viagra. That would be. That oh, in- I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I, yeah. that's
2: in there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, who, yeah,
1: who uses physical files anymore? Every time I go to the doctor, they're typing on on the computer. Like, who? This doctor literally has like physical files. They still have
2: charts, too. right? They got those. They has got filing cabinets full of shit no, somewhere. No, that's from right? the eighties, Nick. <laughs> no, it's not from the. <laughs> fine. All right. Fine. Whatever. No, you're right. I think they do. And, and I was asking my wife about this,
1: who's in the medical profession, and she was saying that. A patient is entitled to their file, right? But not the original one, right? You make copies, right. and they can take right. that away. That there has to be a copy that stays with the
2: doctor. I know you just finished and, that, but I'm going to need that right yes. now before you can do anything and, with it.
0: And if I showed up at your doctor's office and said, "Bill Muck sent me to get all his medical <laughs> yes, records," yes. That, <laughs> I that is not a, a situation no. in which they hand me your medical it records. Exists. Why if I is I learned he any... wearing
2: brass knuckles? Yes. I don't understand. If I learned fine.
0: anything from Seinfeld, is that
1: you know, with a lane, you can't go get your file anymore. No. No, oh, and yeah. then you get blacklisted. Yes. You can't go
2: anywhere because yeah. they'll follow you. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. all insane. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's okay. I, I, uh, this, the doctor just needs to go away at this point. He, like, he, he will never be able to get a real... No, it's just it's so bad. It's just so
1: bad. The pictures of him either in his office or now they have a new picture of him walking around the city and he's holding his iPhone in a really weird way. His hair is longer. He's got the skinny John Lennon glasses. It's all a lot of people said he
2: looked like the doctor from Independence Day who got thrown up against the glass. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I saw some article today and I don't remember who it was that argued that Harold Bornstein and Stormy Daniels are the heroes we need that are willing to, like, they're not going to back down, and it just
2: made me... Whoever wrote that should be punching the fucking face. I agree. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. That that one was exhausting. (laughs) Fun, though. Uh, Yeah, it was very fun. fun. Um, For the record,
1: Phil Barker sent a text to us today after we were talking about some of these topics where he said...
2: I hate the world. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> A lot of that centered around the whole Nobel Peace Prize thing. Yeah. Yes. But so, you know. I should throw
0: out also that on that Nobel Peace Prize nomination letter that was that came out today, one of the people who signed it was Steve King. Yes. And I think I don't if Steve King like who if, whoever I'm not saying that whoever Steve King nominates shouldn't win it, but any nomination that comes from Steve King should be immediately thrown yes. out. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Well, if you enjoyed us (laughs) being like assholes today, Um, (laughs) please like us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, Um, P-O-L. Beers that we try on the Untapped app on iOS and Android. Uh, The podcast itself you can find on SoundCloud and Google Play Music. Uh, and uh, Blueberry I always forget Blueberry now I miss Blueberry Spreaker Spreaker, and Stitcher and all major podcasting platforms Uh, and then again share us and review us on iTunes only good reviews because we only like good reviews Um, hey
0: hey Nick I can hear the theme music
2: (laughs) really? (laughs) you should get that checked out Phil (laughs) alright anything else guys? no (laughs) Cheers. I think we've wrapped it up. Cheers. (laughs) See you next week.